This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. The Supreme Court says it will decide if Donald Trump can be prosecuted in his election interference case. Sagar Megani, Washington. A deal has been reached to prevent a partial government shutdown this Friday night. But for how long? I'm John Stolness in Washington. Senate Republicans have blocked a bill that would protect access to IVF treatments nationwide. I'm Sue Allen. An out-of-control wildfire burning in the Texas Panhandle area has grown to the second largest in state history. I'm Jennifer King. On Wall Street, the last trading day of February is here. Markets are on pace to leap to another winning month. I'm Jessica Ettinger. The U.S. High Court takes up bump stocks. We'll empty a 100-round magazine. I'm Clayton Neville. And a look at the impact of the Supreme Court's decision on abortion. All ahead on America in the Morning. Court cases involving former President Donald Trump continue in New York, Washington, D.C., and Florida. Washington correspondent Sakir Magani reports the Supreme Court is moving fast in saying it will decide whether or not Donald Trump can be prosecuted in his election interference case. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. The Supreme Court says it will decide if Donald Trump can be prosecuted in his election interference case. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down to the Capitol because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. Lower courts have rejected Trump's novel claims that former presidents have absolute immunity for actions falling within their official job duties. An appeals panel here in Washington had ruled a federal judge was right to say that the case against Trump can proceed and he can be prosecuted for actions while in the White House and leading up to the Capitol riot. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. The high court justices are moving fast, saying they will hear arguments in late April and make a decision no later than the end of June. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Sagar Megani, Washington. A state judge in Illinois ruled late yesterday that Donald Trump is now ineligible from appearing on the state's primary ballot, claiming he engaged in insurrection regarding the events of January 6, 2021. Judge Tracy Porter's decision will be stayed until Friday, allowing attorneys for the former president to appeal the order. Back on February 8th, you'll recall the U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments from cases brought by Colorado and Maine to remove Trump from their primary ballots, claiming he violated the insurrection clause of the Constitution. The justices have yet to release a decision. Top leaders in Congress agree to a deal on six appropriation bills that were set to expire Friday and would have triggered a partial government shutdown. John Stolness has details from Washington. 
Congress's four top leaders have agreed to move the deadline for one set of spending bills that were set to expire at midnight on Friday to March 8th, giving lawmakers time to write up the agreed-upon bills, read them, and set up votes for next week. However, the second deadline for the remaining spending bills that had been set for March 8th has been pushed to March 22nd, bills that may be harder to get passed. In a statement, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, and House Speaker Mike Johnson wrote that they were, quote, in agreement that Congress must work in a bipartisan manner to fund our government. Speaking on Fox News last night, Johnson confirmed the other three leaders and President Biden ganged up on him during their Oval Office visit Tuesday. If you're here in Washington and you're described as a leader that's on an island by themselves, it probably means you're standing with the American people. Six more spending bills remain, including legislation for the Pentagon, Homeland Security, Health and Human Services, and the State Department. Members of the House Freedom Caucus want cuts to spending that Senate Democrats and the President say they won't agree to. Nevertheless, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on the PBS NewsHour last night says she's happy a shutdown has been averted for now. Our economy is doing so well um, with low unemployment, inflation coming down, strong growth, that um, it's really important to avoid a needless threat to our economic prospects. Left out of this agreement, the $95 billion emergency aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and allies in the Indo-Pacific region. John Stolnes, Washington. When we return on America in the Morning, backlash on a proposed law to protect in vitro fertilization after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. You're with America in the morning on this leap day. We have no less than a half dozen states under some sort of winter weather advisory. Portions of New Mexico will see either rain or snow. That system continues to move eastward. AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy has the forecast. As the system moves a little farther east tonight, some of the rain developing will become heavy through southeast Texas into Louisiana, where there could also be some thunderstorms, and steadier rain will also form into Tennessee. This system will also provide a chilly day for the southern plains with highs in the 40s and 50s mostly. In the northeast, a powerful cold front moved through the region with a cold shot of air behind it. There will be some snow showers near the northern Great Lakes from northern Michigan into New York. Most areas will be dry with plenty of sunshine from New England to the mid-Atlantic. Those dry conditions will extend westward through the central plains, where afternoon temperatures will climb well into the 50s. In the southeast, it will also be dry much of the day, but more clouds will form across the area ahead of that next storm. 
In the west, another powerful storm will be moving through the area in the next several days with heavy rain along the coast and significant snow through the mountains of the region, some of which will get eight feet or more of total snowfall. This storm will start today in the northwest and then continue to build southward through the day with a steady rain quickly forming in northern California this morning and then becoming heavy by midday into the afternoon. As the cold front associated with this storm continues to move south, colder air will build in behind it, increasingly producing snow at lower elevations. This trend will continue through California late today and tonight. And by tomorrow morning, some areas in the Cascades into the Sierra Nevada will have a foot or more of snow. This snow will expand eastward through Washington and Oregon, also into Idaho and Montana. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A lone Senate Republican has blocked legislation on the issue of in vitro fertilization. This after backlash to a recent ruling by the Alabama Supreme Court. Sue Aller reports. Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth wanted unanimous consent to pass an IVF bill on Wednesday to ensure families always have a legal right to fertility treatments since a ruling by Alabama's Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos could be considered children under state law. If you're genuinely, actually, honestly interested in protecting IVF, then you need to show it by not blocking this bill today. But there was an objection from Republican Mississippi Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, who says the bill has its issues. The bill before us today is a vast overreach that is full of poison pills that go way too far. She also says that the Alabama bill is not about banning IVF. This was a case brought by families whose human embryos were killed when an unauthorized individual walked into the fertility clinic through an unsecured door, removed several human embryos, and dropped them, causing their deaths. IVF treatments have been halted in some Alabama fertility clinics. I'm Sue Aller. A Texas wildfire is consuming acres in minutes and has now become the second largest in Lone Star State history. Correspondent Jennifer King has the latest. It's led to evacuations, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott issued a disaster declaration for 60 counties. It's part of a complex of fires that's jumped into Oklahoma as well. It is jumping the road right now, north-south Video from KWTV, KOTV in Ellis County, Oklahoma, shows a line of flame and a wall of smoke 180 degrees across a horizon of rolling grassy hills. Fire crews have been battling the blaze and shutting down roads, and local ranchers are rounding up cattle. Officials in Borger, Texas, told residents to be ready to leave. Resident Adriana Hill said it was like a ring of fire around the town with no way out because all four main roads were closed. She said luckily they were saved by a northern wind that blew the fire in the opposite direction. The Pantex plant, the main facility that disassembles America's old nuclear arsenal, paused operations Tuesday night but said it was open for normal work on Wednesday. Texas A&M Forest Service says the fire is uncontained. I'm Jennifer King. Millionaires and billionaires targeted by the IRS. That and more when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. You're with America in the Morning. Fast food restaurant Wendy's is doing an about-face, saying it now has no plans to raise menu prices at times of peak demand. It was reported Tuesday that the burger chain would test out a surge pricing system next year. 
However, after getting scorched with price-gouging comments on social media when the Wendy's CEO told investors on a conference call that it would introduce what it called dynamic pricing during peak hours of the day, they have rescinded the idea. With more in Thursday Business, here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Wall Street opens this morning after modest losses for the major averages yesterday. It's Leap Day, the final day of February trading, and the markets are on pace for a winning month. Bitcoin briefly touched 64,000 yesterday, nearing its all-time high of almost 69,000, making a major comeback. We are seeing more evidence of bigger purchases, which tends to indicate more institutional interest, and that's likely a result of uh, all of these Bitcoin ETFs being launched. CNBC's Kate Rooney. We get a fresh read on inflation this morning with the PCE, the Fed's favorite measure of inflation, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Report. You know, you have some seasonality there, so I think investors understand that. If it's a lot hotter, I think we get some sell-offs. But if it's in line, I think the mood continues and then you get some bullish sentiment into the market. I personally, I I care what happens over time. I don't really care what happens necessarily this week on that number. Defiance ETF's Sylvia Jablonski on CNBC. Former President Donald Trump, short of cash and asked to post a $100 million bond in his business fraud appeal, which is just a fraction of what's required. FTX fraudster Sam Bankman-Fried seeking a sentence of less than seven years, according to a filing, claiming he's at risk of harm and extortion while he's in prison. Federal prosecutors have said FTX and Alameda research customers lost billions of dollars from Bankman-Fried's fraud. He is being held in jail and sentencing is March 28th. Hershey, Nestle and other chocolate makers are in for even higher input costs. Raw cocoa prices hit fresh record highs. This means higher chocolate prices for consumers. What's this new IRS crackdown all about? Yeah, the Internal Revenue Service cracking down on ultra-wealthy Americans who happen to not be paying their taxes. When I look at what we call our tax gap, which is the amount of money owed versus what is paid, millionaires and billionaires that either don't file or are underreporting their income, that's $150 billion of our tax gap. And that's per year. That's IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel on CNBC. He gave a rare interview to CNBC's wealth reporter Robert Frank. The IRS also launched a campaign targeting private jet owners. That's when companies and individuals are using their private jets for personal use but deducting them as business expenses. Wealthy Americans have enjoyed a low probability of ever being audited over the past 10 years as the IRS was starved for funding. On today's watch list, it's all about inflation this morning, as we mentioned. We also get earnings from Anheuser-Busch InBev and Best Buy. Thank you, CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Next, federal ban on bump stocks. When America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments yesterday over a federal ban on bump stocks. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports. A bump stock can convert a semi-automatic rifle into a weapon that can fire rapidly. They were banned under a Trump administration policy that followed the 2017 massacre at a Las Vegas music festival. 
U.S. Principal Deputy Solicitor General Brian Fletcher made arguments on behalf of the current administration. It will empty a hundred round magazine like the ones used in the Las Vegas shooting in about 10 seconds. The arguments surrounded the definition of a machine gun in a 1934 law passed by Congress that banned machine guns. A Texas gun salesman behind the lawsuit claiming the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms overstepped its authority in classifying the accessories with machine guns. Justices focused on the technical specifications of a machine gun and whether or not adding a bump stock turns a weapon into one. I'm Clayton Neville. A report has found that the number of abortions performed annually is similar to what it was before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. The hashtag WeCount report found that between 81,000 and up to 89,000 abortions took place each month from July through September of last year. But how they are provided is different. A new study conducted for the advocacy group Society of Family Planning finds 14 states are enforcing a ban on abortion at all stages of pregnancy, and those states have hardly obtained any through the health care system. But there are more abortions in several other states and far more abortion pills prescribed through telehealth, including some for women who live in states with deep restrictions. I'm Julie Walker. Happy Leap Day! The concept of adding a calendar day to realign Earth's orbit with our lifestyle hasn't been around that long. It was introduced by Julius Caesar in 45 B.C. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 29th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. How did the Hunter Biden testimony go? Dishonest. This is a complete sideshow. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. Mitch McConnell says he will end a record run in the Senate. This will be my last term. Sagar Megani at the White House. Tracking the latest on former President Donald Trump's legal saga. I'm Clayton Neville. The president's health report card, Michigan primary candidate concerns, and a congresswoman's son in trouble with the law. We'll have those stories. Comedian Richard Lewis has died at his home in Los Angeles after suffering a heart attack. I'm Archie Zarletta with a look at his career. Kanye West is battling rights issues with his new album. I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages. Welcome back to America in the Morning. An active weather pattern across the country. Let's get into it with AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Another very powerful storm will be moving through the west over the next several days with heavy rain along the coast and significant snow through the mountains of the region, some of which will get eight feet or more in total accumulation. For today, that storm will start the day in the northwest and continue to build southward through the day with a steady rain quickly forming in northern California this morning and becoming heavy by midday into the afternoon. As the cold front associated with this storm continues to move south, colder air will build in behind it and lead to increasingly lower snow snow elevations. This trend will continue through late today in California into tonight. And then by tomorrow morning, areas in the Cascades into the Sierra Nevada will have a foot or more of snowfall. Snow will also expand eastward through Washington and Oregon into Idaho and Montana with several inches possible. 
Meanwhile, we are watching another storm system developing in the southern plains. This will cause a few rain and snow showers to start the day in New Mexico into Texas, with those showers continuing to build eastward this afternoon. As the system moves a little farther east tonight, some of the rain developing will become heavy tonight through southeast Texas into Louisiana, and there can be some thunderstorms. Steadier rain will also develop northeastward from that into Tennessee. This system will also provide a chilly day for the southern plains with highs in the 40s and 50s. In the northeast, a powerful cold front moved through the region with a cold shot of air behind it. There will be some snow showers near the northern Great Lakes, but sunshine for most. That's the weather across America. It'll be windy and cold in Boston today with clouds and sun and a high of 35. Lincoln, Nebraska will be quite mild and very windy with plenty of sun and a high of 61. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. House Republicans leading an impeachment inquiry of President Biden heard closed-door testimony yesterday from the president's son. Correspondent Linda Kenyon is following the case from Washington. Hunter Biden's testimony was part of a Republican-led investigation by the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. The investigation alleges Hunter conducted shady overseas business deals by capitalizing on his father's name before Joe Biden became president. Chairman James Comer thought the hearing went very well. I think this was a great deposition for us. Uh, it proved several bits of our evidence. What evidence, said Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell. They have produced no evidence that would do anything to support the notion that there was any financial transactions that involved Hunter with his father, period. That's not how Republican Nancy May saw it. Hunter Biden is being defiant and also dishonest. When asked what was the high crime or misdemeanor required for impeachment, Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene responded. Influence peddling for one. We can see that he sold his father's name and business. In his opening statement, Hunter Biden said, I am here today to provide the committees with the one incontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business. Democrat Dan Goldman said Hunter Biden proved that from the very start. That first hour of this much anticipated testimony was the nail in the coffin to what is a complete bogus and sham impeachment inquiry. Fellow Democrat Jamie Raskin concurred. This whole thing really has been a tremendous waste of our legislative time and the people's resources. The hearing came after the investigation suffered a major blow this month. The indictment of FBI informant Alexander Smirnoff, who was central to the GOP's claim that the Bidens received millions in bribes from a Ukrainian energy company. Smirnoff was found to have fabricated his allegations. In addition, he confessed to investigators that he received information from officials associated with Russian intelligence, to which Raskin asserted, I think that our colleagues uh, would do best at this point to fold up the circus tent. Undaunted, Chairman Comer said. This impeachment inquiry will now go to the next phase, which will be a public hearing. Lindy Kenyon, Washington. The GOP face of the United States Senate made a surprise announcement. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports Mitch McConnell has told colleagues this year will be his last as his party's Senate leader. Mitch McConnell says he will end a record run in the Senate. Republican leader. McConnell is the longest serving leader in history, and that will soon end. One of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. 
So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. His announcement comes amid the GOP's powerful ideological shift from the Reagan conservatism under which McConnell began his Senate career in 1985 to the Trump era. I still have enough gas in my tank to thoroughly disappoint my critics. And I intend to do so with all the enthusiasm with which they've become accustomed. McConnell's been estranged from the ex-president and under growing pressure from Trump backers, while he did not give a specific reason for the timing of his decision. I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe that day arrived today. Sagar Megani at the White House. A busy day in the legal wranglings for former President Donald Trump. Correspondent Clayton Neville files this report. Former President Donald Trump's facing a slew of legal cases, civil and criminal. This as he runs, of course, for the presidency, bringing a focus on the timeline of it all. This week, we learn the U.S. Supreme Court will hear arguments as to whether Trump can be prosecuted for actions taken while in office. His lawyers say he's immune, but lower courts have disagreed. Arguments surrounding presidential immunity before the high court set for April 22nd. This essentially pushing back the start of the president's criminal trial in Washington, D.C., connected to his alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Special counsel Jack Smith behind that investigation. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle of the Department of Justice. And our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. In a separate legal issue, the former president's facing the federal judge overseeing his criminal trial for allegedly mishandling classified documents ruled this week against Trump's request to see more of the classified filings that prosecutors have submitted. A hearing in that case expected later this week. And related to the recent judgment against Trump in the New York City civil fraud trial, a New York appellate judge turned down a request by Trump's lawyers to pay a lower bond on the $454 million civil fraud penalty he faces while he appeals. The banks got back their money. Again, there was never a default. There was never a problem. Everything was perfect. There was no crime. The crime is against me. Trump has long denied doing anything wrong and says all the cases against him are aimed at keeping him out of the Oval Office. This is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. And in another legal development, in another case, former President Trump trying to block adult film star Stormy Daniels and his former lawyer Michael Cohen from testifying during his upcoming trial connected to alleged hush money payments to Daniels before the 2016 election. I'm Clayton Neville. When we return, Michigan's uncommitted voters, Idaho's botched lethal injection, America in the Morning, back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. 
I'm John Trout. President Joe Biden spent part of his day yesterday at Walter Reed Army Medical Center taking his annual physical. His doctor described him as fit for duty in what's expected to be the last update on Biden's health before November's election. Dr. Kevin O'Connor said in a memo there are no new concerns with the president's health revealed by this year's physical. However, a cognitive test was not administered. As O'Connor stated, he did not find it necessary. The president and former President Donald Trump each won their races in the Michigan primary by huge margins, but each victory came with lingering questions. For Trump, it was the more than 20% of the vote that went to his rival Nikki Haley. And as correspondent Jennifer King reports, Biden's issue was uncommitted voters. President Joe Biden won the Democratic primary in Michigan, but the results highlighted a vulnerability ahead of the November general election. Votes for uncommitted with a campaign organized by activists disillusioned with Biden's handling of the war in Gaza garnered over 13 percent or over 100,000 votes. The AP spoke to Dearborn voter Miriam Mosin. No candidate will receive our votes if they continue to support genocide in Gaza. Michigan has the nation's largest concentration of residents of Arab American descent. Lexis Zaydan would listen to Michigan spoke at an election night watch party in Dearborn. Everybody all over the country is standing with Michigan and all eyes are on Michigan. Former President Donald Trump won the Republican Michigan primary. In tallies early Wednesday, Trump had about 60 percent of the vote versus a little over 26 percent for Nikki Haley. Trump heads into Super Tuesday, having swept all five of the first states on the Republican primary calendar. I'm Jennifer King. A death row inmate escaped his lethal injection in Idaho after eight separate attempts to execute him. Correspondent Ed Donahue reports. The state of Idaho had to stop the execution of serial killer Thomas Creech. A medical team couldn't find a vein after repeated attempts to set up an intravenous line to carry out the lethal injection. For us, it, it wasn't a difficult decision. It was the right decision. Corrections Director Josh Tetwald says the goal is ensuring the process is carried out with dignity, professionalism, and respect. When it reaches a point in that process at any step where it looks like we're going to be unable to do that, that's when we call it off. Audio from KIVI. Tetwalt says they attempted to find sights in Creech's arms, legs, hands, and feet. What's next is not clear. Creech has been in prison for half a century, convicted of five murders in three states, and suspected of several more. I'm Ed Donahue. It's been a trying year thus far for Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, dealing with fallout over getting kicked out of a theatrical performance with a man she was dating to her divorce, moving to a new Colorado district where she's seriously behind in Republican polling, and now a new family crisis. Lisa Dwyer reports that Boebert's son was arrested, facing nearly two dozen charges related to a string of car break-ins and thefts. Court documents say 18-year-old Tyler Bobert was identified after being spotted on surveillance video at a gas station when one of the stolen credit cards was used for a purchase by someone else in his group. He was wearing a hoodie from Shooter's Grill, the restaurant once owned by Representative Lauren Boebert, and was also recognized by police from previous encounters. He appeared briefly in court and was released without bail. Representative Bobert says it breaks her heart to see her child struggling and that he's been going through some tough public challenges. She vows to continue to be there and support her son. I'm Lisa Dwyer.
The Biden administration is taking measures to prevent bad actors from using Americans' digital gene information for nefarious purposes. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. According to Reuters, the Biden administration on Wednesday unveiled an executive order barring genomic data transfers to China as it seeks to protect American personal data. The order will curb bulk transfers of Americans' geolocation, biometric, health, and financial information to specific countries of concern, including Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, and Venezuela. The order seemed to focus in on Chinese gene companies like BGI, barring transfer of any volume of genomic data to countries of concern. Peter Harrell, former National Security Council official, said that this is the White House's way of tackling a set of very specific China and Russia-focused security threats, including the threat posed by companies like BGI. Congress is considering legislation to ban federal agencies from contracting with Chinese groups in order to keep them from accessing American genetic data and personal health information. And Bitcoin tops $60,000 today per coin. Tell us what you think at allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. America in the Morning continues. Robert Workman's Sports is sponsored by Untuck It. Shop online at untuckit.com or at our 80-plus stores for the perfect-fitting untucked shirt. Untuck It. College basketball, number four, Tennessee, fought off number 11, Auburn, 92-84 last night. Dalton connect with 39 points for the Vols, matching his career best. Double-digit wins in the top 10 for fifth-ranked Marquette, number six, Arizona, eighth-ranked Iowa State, and number 10, Duke. Another benchmark for Iowa's Caitlin Clark. She scored 33 in the sixth-ranked Hawkeyes' route of Minnesota. That moves her past Lynette Woodard for the women's major college scoring record with 3,650 points. She needs just 18 now to pass Pistol Pete Maravich all-time NCAA record. Iowa wraps up the regular season schedule on Sunday at home against number two Ohio State. NBA, the Timberwolves top the Grizzlies 110-101. Anthony Edwards with a game-high 34. Half of those in the third quarter as Minnesota took control for Coach Chris Finch. Did a great job turning the game around both ends of the floor in the third when we got down. The win moves the Wolves ahead of Idle Oklahoma City into sole possession of first place in the Western Conference. Lakers rally from down 21 to sink the Clippers, led by LeBron James, 34 points. 19 of which came in the fourth quarter as he outscored the entire Clippers team. Bulls outran the Cavaliers in double overtime, 35 for DeMar DeRozan, 16 of those in extra time. Nuggets dunked the Kings, Jamal Murray, 32 points, Nikola Jokic, his fourth straight triple-double. Mavericks ripped the Raptors, Luka Doncic celebrated his 25th birthday with a 30-point triple-double, just a little shy of his association-leading average of 34.5 points a game. Also, the Pacers pinged the Pelicans. NHL, the Rangers beat the Blue Jackets for their 11th win in 12 games wrapping up a great month for defenseman Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, it was a really good month for us. Um, you know, we, we won a lot of games and uh, played some good hockey, so we got to keep that going. New York with the best record in the league. Oilers slipped past the Blues in overtime. Connor McDavid with the winner, ending a personal 10-game scoring drought. That's Thursday Sports. Thank you, sir. When we return on America in the Morning, comic legend passes and court for Kanye after these messages. Back with you now on America in the Morning. A longtime comic and actor has passed away. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraletta reports on the death of comedian Richard Lewis. Stop right there, police. Court shoot, I'm an actor. Richard Lewis 
was known for turning his anxieties into stream of conscious stand-up. He also starred with Jamie Lee Curtis in the TV series Anything But Love, as Prince John in the film Robin Hood Men in Tights, and in Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, who he met at sports camp as kids. Let's get a little cappuccino and uh, uh, some pizza. On me, on me. I know uh, it's too late for cappuccino. I'll be up to 5 o'clock in the morning if I have a cup of coffee now. You ever hear the word decaf? Decaf doesn't work that well. That'll keep me up till, you know, 2. I get the distinct feeling that I'm like a himless ghost. (laughs) Lewis said in a 2008 AP interview, musician Lou Reed told him what his legacy would be. He said, you're going to be that neurotic Jewish comedian. I don't care if you win three Oscars, that's it. So, you know, get over it. And I did get over it. Lewis once told GQ the reason he always wore black is because he loved the Cowboys in Have Gun, Will Travel. Yee, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, is definitely not feeling the love from former disco queen singer Donna Summer. Most people still know him as Kanye West, so we'll stick with that in this report from Kevin Carr. Kanye West wanted a sample of Donna Summer's music because... The song Good Don't Die on West's album Vultures One, which released on February 9th, was set to sample Donna Summer's 1977 disco hit I Feel Love. Summer's estate denied the request, made on January 31st, so West used a sound-alike track instead. That wasn't sufficient. The queen of disco's estate has now sued the rapper for copyright infringement. The estate claims the association with West could degrade her legacy, even if it's not the original song. West has become an increasingly controversial figure in recent years after a string of anti-Semitic comments have landed him in hot water. Summer's estate had Good Don't Die removed from streaming services. West later re-uploaded the album without the song, but Summer's estate said it still had a negative impact because it had been streamed millions of times. They seek damages and they halt to its distribution altogether. This isn't the first sampling problem West has had with his new album. Earlier this month, Ozzy Osbourne denied him the right to the 1971 Black Sabbath song, Iron Man. West allegedly used a music sample during a listening party, but did not use it in the release. I'm Kevin Carr. America in the Morning for Thursday, February 29th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.